welcome to the Mum Mind podcast, or how to stop your mother falling out of your mouth. I'm Steph McSherry, I'm a mum of two, and I've been running Kinderama, a multi-activity programme for younger kids for the last 20 years. I'm Bethan O'Riordan, and I'm a psychotherapist, and I'm a mum of three, and I've been supporting families to create a balanced life for over 15 years. Each week, we're going to be answering one of your parenting questions, sharing tips and helping your parenting world be easier. If you would like us to answer one of your questions, email us themummind at gmail.com. And that's exactly where we're going to start today, because you had a question that we're going to answer, correct? Yes. (laughs) So the question I have is, how do I help my eight-year-old with their anxiety? Oh, yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I think back to my whole year in the therapy room with clients and online, and, and I think anxious children are probably hands down what I've supported families with more of. And I mean, the good news is that it's really possible to help, but it's always um, a family problem and a family solution if that kind of makes sense why do we start off by saying like what would what would an anxious child look like what are some typical behaviors of of an anxious child yeah I mean could be all sorts really can't it yeah and I'm interested in your perspective as well because you work with under sixes yeah okay poof got that right (laughs) check (laughs) yeah so we'd see a lot of anxiety around starting preschool or starting school being separated from mum or being separated from their caregiver that's where I'd see a lot of anxiety a lot of tears a lot of um yeah just wanting mum and and that big it's a big change massive change if you think especially if you've been at home with them that first few years and then they're going off to preschool even it's a massive change for them and if they are a little bit anxious you can definitely see it yeah and then right in a therapeutic sense I I get asked a lot about separation anxiety and I say well is it separation anxiety and it's a genuine I don't know it's like you know we have to be curious and explore everything is it separation anxiety or is it your child showing you the emotion of what leaving you feels like to them because I I think you see we often forget that we all have really big emotions you know, and some kids, I mean, honestly, I remember one of my kids started preschool. She like almost broke the door of the car to get out. She was so eager. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quite know what that says either. <laughs> That's it. Bye. Read, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Read into it what you wish, you know, and one of my other kids was clung to me, clung to me like a koala bear. But you see, children have to be able and they actually can't not express what's going on for them anxiety actually comes when they I mean oh anxiety is complicated but partly anxiety is um when a child has lost the ability to express what's going on so it stays in it gets trapped and it comes out and it looks anxious so you know I, I say to parents well your child is sad that they're leaving you it's a sad thing when I leave my best friend um, I get sad, uh, but the most important thing is how parents respond to that. Yeah, because I'm guessing those big emotions, those big outbursts, those big tears make us feel quite uncomfortable. 
Do you know what, right? I have this amazing memory and I bumped into the person recently. When we very first moved to Cork, I dropped the kids into their creche for like the trial hour. And um, I remember I stood outside the door and I got really teary eyed and I said to my husband, oh, it feels really sad leaving them. And this guy came out and he said, oh, it gets easier. And then it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> And I bumped into him recently ah. and I thought, oh my God. And he was the first person I ever met in Cork. It was amazing. That's so um, funny. But yeah, it, I mean, you see, when your child is sad, it would be weird if we were like, oh, I'm okay that you're sad, you know, but what children need from their parents, and and, and this is the most important thing. Children need to know that their parents can support them. That they can handle it. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we know exactly what we're doing all the time. And as children get older, they need to hear that. They need to hear, a, I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but we're going to, I'm going to figure this out. I've, yeah. I've got this, you know, but we might rewind a little bit to what anxiety looks like, you know? So you said then it's, it can be crying with the preschool kids leaving their parents. So yes, absolutely. Um, I would see anxiety presenting in the therapy room as a lot of the children and parents who contact me about their children and the teenagers would say that they just feel their heart racing so much. Like I got asked yesterday, is it normal, this feeling I have inside where I feel like my chest is going to explode? Oh, yeah. OK. You know, so it's a really anxiety. And I'm thinking from myself as well. You know, anxiety is like a physical manifestation it's your senses saying to you you might not be okay here and then the parents have to step in and say but you are okay here without undermining the child experience without ignoring their sadness nervousness whatever it is but so anxiety is letting us know that we may or may not be okay and children have not got the life experience the brain capacity the brain development to be able to regulate that so parents say to me, well, how can I help my child regulate their anxiety? I say, well, you have to. Oh. You are the barometer for your child. So back to what you said, if you come into an anxious child and match their anxiety, and then there's two of you in it. Yeah. And it, it just escalates from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of my work with children is to support their parents to regulate yeah. their child and this is new stuff it's learning a new language it, and it's so that they can say it's okay that you're sad it's okay that you're upset but I'm here and we've got this we can do this yeah absolutely and, yeah. and that might be with I mean uh, that might be with words you know yourself as a parent those times <laughs> that it's not okay to use words because like, you don't know what it's like for me or you don't understand me and that's okay so we just you know, as a parent, I, I'm thinking this is just what happened to me last night. One of my kids came in to me. It was 5 a.m. and he couldn't breathe. He has an awful chest infection. Um, I think it's a chest infection that comes with um, exploding nosebleeds. <laughs> oh, sounds so, like heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been rocking the illnesses the last few weeks. And so I got out of bed. And first of all, my senses had tuned into what goes on around me. It was dark that kind of crazy burglar alarm indoor light goes on so it makes everyone's shadows gigantic <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like Ooh, what is this 
And instantly my body put me into this kind of state of high alert. Right. Okay. And I knew that like my spidey senses had come on. My heart was beating really fast. I imagine my eyes were like saucers because I was trying to tune into like the room around me. So I had to gather myself and my poor child, he was so unwell and he could not breathe. And that was really kind of freaky as well because then my ears were tuning into like, oh my God, my child can't breathe properly. So I very quickly had to um had to kind of get myself together and you know, and not present my anxiousness to him. It doesn't mean I ignored it, mm. but I was able through practice and through developing my skills to pop that to one side and say, okay, kid, how can I help you? What do you need? Yeah. You know, and then I lay back in bed and I got back to bed and I felt like a cartoon character with my heart beating through my skin, you know, yeah. and then I had to do a second bit to calm that bit down. Okay, so and that's all work for you as the adult. So, so now, you know, when the child is feeling all that and they can't say that to themselves, they can't say, oh, it's okay that I can't breathe because somebody else is going to help me here. They just can't. They're, they're in that state of panic too. Yeah. Th then that's your job to take yourself and make yourself calm. Yeah, absolutely. Or try. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And, you know, the way that our brains and bodies are designed, we kind of hop in and out of feelings and emotions all the time, mm. you know, so one second we can be this, the next second we can be that. And that's the kind of crazy thing about being a human being, but it's it's not your fault. Um, but yeah, it, and you see, I get a lot of calls, have a lot of discussions with parents and they say, but what is the thing I should do? What is, you know, like the thing when my child is anxious? I say, but there isn't a thing. It's about how you be. Mm. And I wish there was a thing. I wish I could say, well, if you stand on your head in the corner of the room, sing a song, do... there isn't a thing. There mm. is no thing. It's all about how you be. And, you know, and, and like any relationship, things take time. So it takes time for your child who is maybe suffering with anxiety or struggling with something. It will take time for them to realize that you are safe and that you can handle this. And of course, the biggest part of you as the parent handling it is, is that you have a support network that can support you because you don't have to handle it alone. It's really scary when your comes kid to you with anxious stuff. I know, I mean, like, you know, I, I've met a lot of parents this year whose children have um, been self-harming, for example. Mm. And, and that's kind of anxiety on a different level. That's when the anxiety hasn't been paid attention to, when, uh, when we haven't figured out exactly what was going on and what was needed to help. And it's turned inwards. And the look on parents' faces when I meet them online or in my practice, oh, my God, my child is self-harming. I say, but it's okay. We can help them. We need to figure out their language of supporting their anxiety. But it starts with you knowing yours first. Wow. Okay. Which is not what people want to hear. They do want the quick fix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you see, the beautiful and really amazing thing is that the quick fix is always there kind of is one as well, because the minute your child gets that sense of you handling it, that's it. Yeah. I, you know, the words, the things to say, the things to do, that's easy. You know, it's all relative. <laughs> well, and there are, I think yeah. there, it's important to say, because you said it, it doesn't have to be words. There are things that you can do that aren't words that we would use a lot in the preschool environment, you know, touch, just just holding a hand or 
stroking an arm or um, that lovely tickle spot at the kind of base of your neck, which is where all your vagus nerves are. You know, if I'm teaching a child that's really upset and maybe it's not appropriate for me to give them a hug because I don't know them well enough and it, it wouldn't do that reassuring part, they, they'll often let you just rub them there. You know, but where you'd like the shower to hit, there's a reason okay. why you like it to hit there. It's because it's hitting the vagus nerve. That's, I mentioned this last week, the parasympathetic nervous system. That, that's a message to your brain to say, oh, okay. So, you know, that's something practical that you can do if words aren't working in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as I, you know, I often think of my supervisor, who's like my guru for everything, really. And, you know, she always says, I wish parents would just realize that being there is enough. Mm. You know, so, so like when you're there, that's it. That is the thing. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to, I I, I mean, of course, what you say and do is important, but it's secondary to being there and being there. If you're a working parent or if you work abroad or if you travel, it's not about, yes, it is about physically being there and having that connection, but it's the, I always get this wrong because of the old dyslexia. It is the quality not the quantity but you see it's the quality of your engagement and it's if you're consistent you know people come to therapy the children say who I see are teenagers I'm there at the same time every week I'm being consistent and being present I'm the same version of me right but that's only for an hour I have to maintain that it's very different when you live someone because you see the highs and lows of moms and dads the bits in between um But it's just the being there and witnessing. I witness people's pain. I witness people when they feel they're most vulnerable. And I witness it with an open heart and pure love and compassion. And that's the goal for parents to get to. Now, when my kids go through stuff, I try to do the same. But I engage in my therapy so I can spill all my stuff I go and share my fears. I share my what ifs. I share my like, oh, my goodnesses, because then then they don't spill into my children's world. Okay, so then you need a release valve for yourself so that when those moments come, when your kids inevitably will need you, you're not full up of pressure. Yes. Yeah, that's it. It's about being available. And and I mean, I, I think I'm I'm still always trying to fine tune this, if I'm honest. I haven't I haven't quite found my way a hundred percent because I don't know if life is like that. You know, it kind of depends on so like I've had a rough few weeks with kids not sleeping, a solidarity with all the other parents out there, just through illnesses and excited about Christmas. And, you know, the big questions, will Santa wake our dog in the night? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the big philosophical 2am <laughs> questions. So I know that when I'm then meeting clients, I have less energy to be I, I give a hundred percent, whatever hundred percent means in that moment. And then I have to come home to my kids and I have to make sure that they don't get the very draggy, uh, dredgy bits that they, they don't get the silt of me. They don't get the like yeah. the bit that's left over. I have to make sure that they get the best of me too. And that's all those things that we were talking about surviving Christmas. That's taking those little pockets of time, whatever that yeah. may be. I, I came home last night. Where had I been? I've been rushing around doing something. 
I had one child getting changed ready for rugby practice. Another one was on the computer. My mum's with us at the moment and I came in and I set a timer for 10 minutes. I laid on that couch and I closed my eyes. My mum looked around and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm closing my eyes for 10 minutes. Mm. That's all I, that's all I needed. I needed yeah. to just, it was like 5 PM. <laughs> I just needed to reset to get through the rest of the evening. Cause it had been such a crazy day. So I think finding those little windows, those little opportunities. I also wanted to say something that I heard on a po another podcast and it was with Stephen Fry, you know, the kind of actor and writer chap, yeah, the yeah. big booming well, voice. Yeah. It's a really interesting podcast, but he he's battled a lot with anxiety and depression and, and only very um, in recent years got diagnosed as bipolar, a manic depressive as they used to call them. And he was saying, he viewed his mental health as something he didn't necessarily share with family and friends. And he said he viewed it like a genital wart. <laughs> he said, if you, <laughs> if you had a genital wart, you wouldn't go and say you're to your mate. Here, will you check this out and see what you think it yeah. is? So I think it's important, like you said, you check in with a therapist regularly. There are ways and means of checking in with a therapist in a cost-effective way if that if that's the issue but yeah possibly having somebody outside of your family and friends that you can release that stuff to is important yeah and I, I think as well we have to be really mindful of what is the response we really want a friend to give you know because I know I mean can a friend really give you what you want to know and and I think as well I want my friendships to be really fun. You know, I want them to be a place where we have a laugh. And yes, we support each other through the ups and downs. But if I'm going there to seek this kind of really personalized support, well, is that almost a boundary break of what a friendship is? For me, it is, you see. Okay. You know, and, and I mean, yes, I have people I could call at the drop of a hat and say, I'm really struggling. Can you help me? Um but we just have to watch who it is that we really want the answers from. And sometimes by not seeking the appropriate help, we're actually making the situation worse and we're actually avoiding the real root of the problem. If you'd like the answers to help your child with their emotions or behaviors, or if you're ready to become the parent and person you'd like to be, then start your free seven day trial in the Cow Parenting Club by going to my website, bethanoreardon.com okay so just to kind of bring it back to our our anxious child we we've said in lots of different ways it's really important for us to be as calm and as present as possible when our child is going through that anxious state yeah to be able to support them and not freak out so what's next? I hear you say it. So, so what's next is this. Again, my supervisor guru taught me this a few years ago. What if the word anxiety doesn't exist? Right? Because I actually hate the word anxiety. <laughs> I've got personal beef with it. But I think like, well, what does it mean? You know, like when people come to me and say, I'm really anxious. I say, great. What do you mean by that? Because I say, well, so this week I gave somebody a sheet. I never really give sheets in therapy. I don't want it to feel like homework, but 
to support them and their family to explore the language around what your feelings are. So what is anxiety? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Were you embarrassed? Were you self-conscious? Did you feel unheard? Were you overwhelmed? Were you stressed out your head? Were you angry? What were you? Okay, so you mean that we're probably using this blanket term anxiety to cover what's really going on? Yes, absolutely. But it's something far more specific than that. You're worried yeah, about something, you're scared about something, but we're using this, I'm anxious. Yeah, like if I think of myself hopping out the bed at five o'clock to, you know, my son there, I mean, like the noise, it was really scary. I was scared. But my body had programmed me to tell me that that was anxiety because that's what it is. It's the physical, it's the heart beating, it's the cortisol and the adrenaline rushing around your body. Your ears go into high alert, your vision goes into high alert, your smell does, you're kind of in defensive mode. I'm ready, I'm ready for the fight. But I was scared. I was really scared in that moment. So the next part is, so we always, and, and this is actually one of the resources in the Camp Parenting Club, there's feelings and needs cards, right? And this really helps children to go and and parents. I mean, like, this is the work I do for myself. If I'm feeling, if I'm having those moments of, which I do because I'm human too, but if I have those moments of like, I just don't feel right. I've got this real whooshy feeling in my body. And I know for me, when my hearing, my, my husband calls it mouse hearing. <laughs> He says, he says, oh, we're back to mouse hearing again, Beth. And I think, okay, right, I need to do something about this. I say, well, what is it that's really going on for me? What, you know, so. Sorry, I don't know what mouse hearing is. Oh, it's when I, I think... can hear a pin drop. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's thinking... not a therapeutic term. Oh, good. Okay, I was thinking, is this a term I should know? Okay, no, you, he says, you mean when it, you can it, hear everything? Yeah, it's like I'd have the telly on number two and he's like, nobody else can hear it, mouse hearing. <laughs> I'm like, but it's so loud. <laughs> so I, so, you know, so one of the exercises this, so when your kids come to you and they say, oh my God, I'm really anxious. I'm like, you know, I said, well, break it down. I, I get these cards out and they're, and they're, they've got like these hand-drawn pictures on, not by me or we'd be totally goosed, but by somebody else. And, and it says, well, what were you feeling in that moment then? Well, I was really scared or I, I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know what to do. Oh, great, because then then we've moved it from being this kind of elusive, anxious thing to something really practical that we can help people with. So then the next part of that is that so those cards are red and then the other cards are yellow and they're like, well, what did you need? And this is really important because I'm really big into helping children and adults problem solve. Play detective. It absolute and it takes time oh my gosh it takes time and sometimes you know depending on the age of your child we have to be quite oh oh Steph help me with the word directive D does that make sense yeah. we, we have to suggest things so the so the needs cards are well did you need to tell somebody did you need to shout did you need some help did you need to be heard did you need to be understood did you need to say something you know, and and then it moves it to something really quite practical. Mm. And that's really helpful because that's all what all parents want. And would you advise 
because I know I I've advised parents in the past to kind of practice situations that in the real world are causing your child anxiety. So, for example, if um, a child is starting preschool, say, you know, get them into that little routine, practice putting on your coat, practice having lunch at a certain time and them unpacking their lunchbox, because what you don't want to happen particularly if you know your child is that kind of child that would worry about this anyway, is that the first day that they do all this is the first day of preschool. Yeah. You know, you can practice elements. My 11-year-old still, she finds it funny kind of going into a shop and asking for something. So she needs to, like, it's not like we've ever sat down and said, right, you need to practice this. But she she talks it through. She's like, I'll, I'll just say this. Is this okay? And I can yeah. tell it's her kind of processing that anxiety she needs to kind of say the words out loud so that she knows when she goes into the shop, that's what she's going to say. Yeah, I think you see all children are different, right? But the biggest thing I'd say to parents is if you're not doing something because you're afraid. So I'm imagining parents saying to me, yeah, but if I did that, it might make it worse. I say, well, if you're doing something because you're afraid, then that is the thing you have to do, you know, okay. because and your child needs you to not be afraid of their response. So, you know, like if, if you're, oh, but if I do this practice thing, it actually might make them worse. It might make them, well, then your child isn't feeling safe with you. And even in that situation with your daughter, then, um, without wanting to therapy you, you know, when you said, you know, I know it's just her anxiety, but even breaking it down for her saying, I know, are you worried about being embarrassed when you get up there? Okay. Not saying the right thing. Yeah. Or, Or making, fluffing it or feeling like whatever yeah because a huge part of the um understanding anxiety yes is making things familiar you know like I I, I, there's I mean there is so many things I used to do in my life that I hated doing and I felt really awkward and really embarrassed and really nervous and like I could literally get sick on the spot that don't make me like that now because they're familiar you know so yes I, I think I think helping children do these things, but as you say, being detective and really tuning in. So with the kid who's trying to put on their coat, if they're getting really frustrated and overwhelmed, or if they're like, oh, I mean, sleeves, sleeves are a nightmare for little kids. They're in, they're out, they're upside down, you know. Yeah. The thing is, is to use that as a really slow problem solving. So slow it down for them. Mm. Help them find words. Say, oh gosh these sleeves are so annoying, aren't they? Or it's so frustrating and, oh, you know, and, and, and use words that are not making them anxious. Or if okay. you can see that they're getting upset with something, that's when you need to help them and say, look, I'm here to help you. Yeah. What do you think we need to do? And if they say, well, I don't know. You say, well, why don't we pull, you hold the coat this way and try and pull the sleeve this way. So you're teaching them problem solving. You're passing passing on the problem solving skills. Yeah. I mean, I think problem solving is huge. There's so many times I meet in the therapy room, parents, I mean, virtually and in person when I say that, parents say to the church, but why didn't you tell me what was going on? And they say, I don't know. And you're saying it's because they don't have the language. Yeah, but it's also because they just forgot that they could solve a problem. Okay. By asking for help. And then when we get into the teenager, but yes, it's because they don't have the language because the family system doesn't have the language, right? You know, because they haven't 
the parents weren't taught it so they can't teach their children it okay so when you're talking about because i know if i was a, a mum of a, a teenager that was self-harming and I, I was listening to this and maybe yes i did miss those opportunities to to problem solve and i'm, I'm there now this the child is self-harming yeah i still need to play detective with that i still need to help them work out how we've ended up here is that right yeah I mean it kind of depends with teenagers I would always say that they do need to be in therapy to get the skills bit but it's always about it always always comes back to connection mm. you know it always comes back to the child feeling connected seen and understood within the family you know and, and noticing like the periods you know we don't just go from zero to self-harming no, there's, you know, there's a series of stressful events that might not seem stressful to us, but life is really stressful for teenagers that that happen. And then the volcano erupts or it erupts internally. A lot of the time as well, it's a children's, a teenage child's internalization of perhaps emotions that were hanging around a family that nobody dealt with. Now, you're thinking, what? What on earth does that mean, Beth? <laughs> how have we got here? <laughs> yeah, how have we got here? But before we get there, I want to just say a little bit about the teenage brain as well. So everyone needs everyone who has a preteen or a teen needs to read a book by Dan Segal called Brainstorm, I think. And it explains that the problem solving part of a teenage brain actually decreases to allow the impulsivity and risk taking part of the brain to increase. So when I meet teenagers in the therapy room and the parents say, why didn't you just tell me? And they're like, I don't know. That is partly because that part of their brain is physically offline, wow. which is why parents, it's so important that you find ways to stay connected with your child, right? Because the kind of 10, 11, 12, generally, is about children hopping off and finding their tribe. I know my son's off having phone calls of people now and, you know, and, and, and that's lovely. But if I didn't sort of keep check of it, I could almost lose him to him having calls with his friends every night. But I know the things and I won't share them here because they're personal for me and him. I know the things I can do and say to be connected with him. I know how he's feeling, how he's thinking generally. I might need a bit more information or specifics, um, but it's such an important time. So then, you know, parents say to me, oh, so it's so it's my responsibility to ask. And I say, yeah. And they say, I didn't know. I yeah. thought they would say. And I say, well, I know. And now we know. And, and, and it's not like a blame or a judging thing. It's like nobody knows till they know. And we, right? we as fully formed I'm assuming our brains are fully formed. They were at some point. <laughs> I question that sometimes. I'd um, say I'm on the decline at this stage. But yeah. <laughs> but I'm assuming it's the same for us. Even though we know we're feeling down or we're feeling off, it's still really hard to verbalize that. Yeah, and it's really hard to verbalize because often, often people come and they flip in problem solve for us, and that's not what we want. You know. Most people actually just want to say what's going on in their head and they just want to say the experiences that they're having. Children, teenagers, okay, children do need a lot more guidance. 
children less so but more so if uh, teenagers sorry less so but more so if that makes any sense whatsoever it, you know but most people just want to be heard mm. you know and, and it's the same you know going back to the self-harming it, it's about like problem solving and tolerating the pain of something um up to a point you know but everyone's self-harming is so individualized so I don't really want to I mean we could do a whole episode on it perhaps one thing to watch out for though at the lower end of it I guess is picking hair pulling eyelash pulling you know and I, I've met five six-year-olds who eyelash pull and you know it's um it's tricky it's definitely a family-based solution but it's not impossible you know I want you to know that if there's anxiety milling around your family and your child is absorbing it because that is what children do. You know, you and me as children, we absorbed stuff that our parents didn't deal with. And it's not a blaming thing. It's like, this is how families work. But if that's your family and you see it, not being too scared of it, because you're always going to be scared of it, is is the way to solve it. So the overall thing that I'm taking away from today is that we kind of need to play detective with ourselves first and then our yeah. children. So playing detective with ourselves to get ourselves back to a place where we can be calmer and in a place where we can problem solve effectively and then helping our children through that process if they're nervous, scared, angry. Yeah, but you're but you're spot on. I'm just listening to your cat singing in the background as I well. was wondering whether you could hear that or not. <laughs> I was just gonna keep ignoring it. It's because I've shut the door. She'd want to be here in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing that you got serenaded for your last bit you know it was lovely <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean so a lot of the therapy work that I do is based on a model called compassion focused therapy which is developing the skills and qualities to turn to what's really hard and doing something about it you know mindfulness is step one being aware is step one but you can mindfully break into a car. You could really mindfully punch someone in the face. It's what we're doing with that mindful awareness. And well, I'm going to help. I'm going to figure this out with you. And a huge part of the compassion focused therapy, compassionate mind training is play. It's being playful with what's really hard. And, you know, so internally or in the therapy room or with our families we can be playful about like oh my gosh this is really hard isn't it yeah. and that's it you know it doesn't have to be a doom and gloom this is really hard we can be like um you know the Lizzo song where she says sheesh I'm about to have a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> I love it because that's it, right? You know, like if it all goes hell's bells in the morning in our house, there's jumpers, lost his coats, lost his one shoe, the dog needs to go out. Sometimes my daughter comes in with her slippy socks and she slides in the floor and she says, sheesh, I'm about to have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because it changes everything. And I think, oh, flip the coat. I'll find you another shoe. It's fine. But that was the that was the catalyst for my brain to not go anxious mm. and for my brain to be like ah, flip it we've got this guys and so play is so important and parents tolerating what's hard for themselves too because that that then means that when you're there you're regulating your child just by being there perfect so our email is the at gmail.com 
if you have any queries or questions that you'd like us to chat through here, just send us an email and we'll, we'll get on to it. Yeah, and I think the other thing to say is, I mean, today was maybe quite a heavy topic in some way. So if there's anything that's come up for you or you have questions, um, then do be in touch. You know, like if you feel a bit like, oof, I don't know how I feel about that, then talk, let us know, reach out. I'm always open to being fact-checked as well. Um, I'm not the oracle unless you meet my husband, then of course I am the <laughs> oracle, um, obviously. Okay, so see you next week. Kinderama is a multi-activity program for younger kids. It's full of music, imaginative play, adventures, ball skills, dance, drama, and all for the under sixes. We have an online program at kinderama.com and if you use the discount code MUMMIND20, you can have 20% off an annual membership. 